If you want to play for numbers today, the all-time longest matinee cast mm -hmm. is 104 minutes. The Force Awakens. Yep. Where the guest was Andrew James. Yeah, I, I can see that. So if you want, if you're looking yeah. for like a threshold to, to beat. Yep. All right. All right. Cool. <laughs> this is a spacewalk. Exactly. Welcome to wherever you are. My name is Ryan McNeil in Toronto, Canada. You are listening to episode 237 of the Matinee Cast. It's a movie-loving podcast on my movie-loving website, thematinee.ca. Your home for cinematic passion and perspective. I mentioned this in the last episode. The holidays are the time of year where you gather with friends near and far. You travel a great distance. You build bridges. You make the effort to invite and to accept invitations. And this show is no exception to that tradition. We did that last week by bringing somebody back for the first time in several years. Actually, we brought him back for the second time this year because we hadn't brought him back for several years. And uh, today we're doing more of that because we have somebody who has been absent from these parts for far too long. I'm just going to ask, when was my last go? Uh, to, we were just talking about Jamie Dew's Cheeseburger Chats. Ah. Uh, it was um, How to Train Your Dragon Part 2. So I want to say it was like... 2014. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so it's, it's, been, it's been a clip. Huh. Um, and that is not right at all, considering <laughs> how big an influence this man has been on me as a writer and a podcaster, but also as a human being. So it's time to welcome him home, and not a moment too soon. He writes uh, sporadically at Screen Anarchy, and he's one of the co-hosts of the Death Watch podcast. Please welcome back home, Matt Brown. How are you? Hello. Man? It's great to finally be back. And I mean, I'll admit that I kind of drew a line under my participation just because I was on a lot. You ran out of questions to ask me, and you kept writing new ones. And I was like, I'm going to give this guy a break. I don't think I intentionally made <laughs> wanted it to be a five-year break, right. but, you know... I'm These just, things happen. I'm just noticing that not only did you take my glass, yeah. but you also did not pour me any water. That's so correct. this may be, yeah. we may have to put you back in the penalty mm -hmm. for five more years. Yep. No, that's fine. All right. Yeah. I'm a oh, rude no. motherfucker. Oh, no. <laughs> Are you done? Are yeah. you done? Yeah, that was the last one. On episode 237, we will be discussing Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. We might be here till dawn. And turning the record over to play the other side. First, we need to learn more about Matt. This is Know Your Enemy. So Matt first appeared way back when, on episode 30, we talked about Orango. I don't actually even think that episode is online anymore. We learned the first movie he'd seen in the theater was uh, Star Wars, the episode 4, New Hope. The last film he'd seen at the time was Machete Maidens Unleashed. The worst film he'd ever seen is Pearl Harbor. The unseen classic or essential was Conan the Barbarian. Still? No, I finally got there. Boy, and there by the way, yeah. I love that movie. All right. I watch that movie like twice a year now. It's so much fun. Magnificent. Yeah. And the film he wished he made was the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Then on episode 37, where everybody kicked me off my own show to talk about Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, we learned the film he likes that nobody else does is The Phantom Menace. The film everybody else likes that he does not is The Princess Bride. The last movie at the time to make him cry, no surprise, was Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. In the movie of his life, he's going to be played by Benedict Cumberbatch, and you guys all just went rogue and didn't answer what movie you were watching next, so we'll sounds, have to answer that some other time. Sounds like us. Yep. Then on episode 60, we talked about Prometheus. We learned the film that made his love of film turn a corner is Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End. His first date movie that he could remember is While You Were Sleeping. His sick day movie is Something Crappy, i.e. Green Lantern. <laughs> the, yeah. Yep. 
The movie to leave, last movie to leave him speechless is Lake of Fire, and his epitaph would be, "Don't everybody thank me at once." Are you noticing a Star Wars runner through oh, all of these? I mean, it's it's on brand. Yeah, so and I've, I've noticed another runner through these that I'll bring up later. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of impressive given what we're going to talk about. Then on episode one fourteen, we talked about how to train your dragon part two. We learned the film he likes but never wants to see again is Enter the Void. The film that genuinely freaked him out for good reason is Nightmare on Elm Street Part Three. The film that always makes him laugh is Spider-Man 3, the, <laughs> his favorite movie soundtrack. It's like a walked out memory lane, yeah. isn't it? His favorite movie soundtrack is Back to the Future, and the film he loves that seemingly nobody else has heard of is XXY. So we are going to do round five. It's actually round six, but for Matt's purposes, this will be the round five mm-hmm. questions. Matthew Brown. Yes. When you go to the films or you watch at home, what is your movie snack of choice? Okay, first of all, didn't know Watch at Home was an option. Okay. But, so, but for movies in theater, I'm fairly, I try not to do snacks because I feel like if I made that a regular part of my experience, I would be quite heavy. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. There's a now, reason why it's not part of mine. Yeah, so I have to say recently I've gotten into Milk Duds. Ooh. Not every time, but every once in a while. Okay. And I think the reason for that is literally because I was at a film festival in the States with Price and I told him I was going to go to the lobby and get a box of milk duds and he told me with absolute certainty in the way that only matthew price can that milk duds have not been sold in boxes for 20 or 25 years but they're now <laughs> sold in bags so i just said okay and i walked out to the lobby bought a box and came back and hit him in the head with it <laughs> <laughs> i i love this for so many yeah, reasons yeah. i mean first of all the fact that it, it became like something in an affinity of yours out of spite. Yeah, basically. You know, every like, time well, I see a box of milk. Yeah, exactly. Like, now yeah. I gotta find it, even if yeah. I have to leave the theater. Correct. Walk around to like sixteen Piggly Wigglies. Yeah. I will find a box of milk nuts. Yeah. Um, I yeah, like the thing. They're they're melty. That's the only thing I don't like about them is I, yeah, I, they're I'll, gross. I'll finish them and I'll be like, I want to like stop this and go wash my hands. Yeah, and they also get stuck in your teeth, like oh, seriously oh stuck yeah, in your teeth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're not actually good from a movie watching experience because like yeah. thirty five minutes in the movie, I'm like trying to get shit out of my teeth. Yeah, and I'm like, but yet you'll do it all over. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. I don't learn. It's the wire that you need to touch. Yeah. Uh, and anything to drink with them or just the duds? Uh, when it's milk duds, probably not. Like, I'll probably just have water. Okay. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, if it was pop, it would be too much sweet stuff oh, yeah. and I'd no, be you'd freaking be, out. You'd be buzzing by, yeah. by like, real too. Yeah. Um, okay, no, I, I, I am a big fan of chocolate at the movies. Yeah. So, so you're, you're, you're definitely uh, speaking to the choir. All right. Uh, which movie world, if you could, would you like to spend a day in? Now, this is a no-brainer. Okay. I mean, I would hope it was obvious that it's know. clearly Star Wars. Like, I mean, not that I don't have many. I was, was going to say, no, but, it is not obvious. But because I there's like, a I'm going clear to number one. Right. Right? It's always <laughs> going to be Star Wars. Like, I'm, I haven't been to Galaxy's Edge yet. But I am. <laughs> You're going to cry. Well, that's the thing. Gonna I'm going to cry. Like a little child. And, and I'm much more concerned that I'm going to, like, physically refuse to leave. Like, I'll just, like, <laughs> handcuff myself <laughs> to the Falcon and... You're like, well, I live here now. I hope you need an actor because I'm going to be the crazy guy who's chained to the Falcon. Sir, it's it's, yeah. uh, it's, <laughs> sir, it's Big sir. Brother's Day tomorrow. Right. We really need to clean the Falcon. Yeah. Um, now, okay. So, I mean, now, the thing about that world is it just keeps on getting bigger. Although, yeah. You know, sometimes they go, they double back every now and then. Anywhere in particular, or you just want to wander? You, you like I know I know. Obviously, you want to zip around. Well, right the now, I'm yes, I want to zip around in the Falcon. Um, but right now, I mean, because we're going to talk about the rise of Skywalker, so I guess I'll take this sure. moment to throw in the spoiler warning. But there is a world there called Kijimi. I think it's Kijimi. Yeah, yep, yep. yeah it's I call it Japanese snow village world. <laughs> yes, 
I love that place. I would love to just go there for a month and write a book. I mean, I mean, look, aside from the imperial I was occupation, say, it looked like shit yeah. was going down. Yeah, yeah, it didn't look great, but yeah. I, 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 it just from a, like a, a look and feel of that place, I'm like that is my new favorite Star Wars world, and it will be for probably another three months. I feel like if Hemingway were in the Star Wars world, that's where he'd go. Yeah, absolutely, and I feel like whatever the Star invites. Wars equivalent of whiskey is, it's really good in Kajimi. Yes. Yeah. yeah. They do good whiskey in Kajimi. I would imagine so. Yeah. Um, I don't know where I'd want to go in the Star. I, I like the I like the foresty planets. Yeah. Like I like things like indoor and wherever it was that their 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 base was in uh force awakens like those kinds of mm -hmm. planets i always find that they they do those really well yeah i don't know if it's like you know like when i kind of anytime i find myself like in the pacific northwest i'm like it's like indoor yeah first time i was in the redwoods i was like 15 years old and i was blowing my mind i was right. like oh my goodness it's gracious. like that where are the ewoks all right i guess I, I should have guessed that one so yeah. um uh next uh mr brown if you could or if you choose to you don't have to what is a movie monologue that you'd like to recite uh well i can't recite all of it but okay. it was always for me it was the it was the speech in Patton, which has the line we're gonna grab him by the nose we're gonna kick him in the ass and that we're gonna go through him like crap through yeah with the with with the flag yeah. when i my first job out of college i was uh, in the mailroom down at bc place um which is i guess now called brookfield place and Anytime like we were overwhelmed, like there was a particularly high flow day and we didn't know if we were going to actually get through the work in the course of the day, there was this one guy, Steve, who was like an amateur actor and he would do the patent speech. Really? So I, I, there was a time in my life where I had it memorized <laughs> and I don't anymore, but I always remember we're going to grab him by the nose and we're going to kick him in the ass and we're going to go through him like crap through a goose. Wow. So. <laughs> I, okay, this, you know, it's funny because, see, now you're messing with me because while the last question I totally could have guessed, yeah. that is not one I would have guessed This one took me a while to figure out where I was going to go with it because I'm not a big speech guy. But I did realize that that's kind of just been stuck in my head for 20 years. I mean, it's a funny one because on the one hand, it's very much that scene Crispin's Day speech that you hear in like yep. every movie from Braveheart to, you know, Snow White and the Huntsman. Sure. Um, on the other, <laughs> yes. it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. On the other hand, it's also very, it's very kind of like conservative, raw, raw. You know, true. We're 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 right, and if you know, God's on our side, and let's go show him that. Mm -hmm. Which is not what I. Not my vibe. No, no. <laughs> but it is. You know, it's it's funny to apply to any situations that are less grave than World War II, <laughs> which are most like delivering mail, <laughs> for example. See, now you say it that way, and now I want to do it. Yeah. You know, t tomorrow when I'm waiting in line at Shoppers Drug yeah, Mart, I'm just going to start mumbling it. And yeah. See who applauds. Yeah. All right. Uh, Thank you for surprising me on episode 237. Um, Mr. Brown, what is one of the most violent movies you've ever seen? I'm going to go to uh, Martyrs from uh, the Midnight Madness selection in, in, I believe, Festival 2008, mm -hmm. maybe 2007. That was like, I mean, I, you know, I know when I go to Midnight Madness what I'm in for. I recognize that I am turning myself over to whatever the experience is. Like, there's no, you can't cry foul on like consent issues or anything no. like that like you you get what you get but martyrs was the only time i felt like so disturbed by the uh the imagery and behavior in a film which at various points includes people being skinned alive um that i i was unsettled enough to question whether i wanted to keep going to midnight madness now obviously i did and i also think in my now 20 years of experience going to midnight madness martyrs is about as far on the outside of disturbing as as Colin ever got, as Peter's ever gotten, so you know, I'm, I feel safe, safer. Yeah. But uh, but it's always out there as a reminder that that kind of movie exists. So like that has actually it came up recently. I, uh, Fisher brought it up back in the summer, and I can't remember the context. I don't know if it was actually the most violent movie she's ever seen, 
I think she hung it on another category. Um, but tell people, I, I feel like a lot of people actually haven't heard of Martyrs. Oh, and tell, I, give, I, them, give them like the thumbnail version of what this movie's about. Well, I mean, it's it's French New Extremity, and <laughs> and I and it was it was right in the middle of the kind of the question about torture porn in horror movies. Right. And I felt like it was sort of the furthest. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's people abducted and locked in a basement type thing. And then there's procedures involving the removal of all of their skin, right. <laughs> stuff like that. Like it's, yeah. it's, and it's, you know, it, it, it ends up on a lot of people's lists of great cerebral horror and it probably deserves that. But I was just personally so, Put off by everything that was happening, that, that I just like kind of couldn't. Horror. Yeah, it was very visceral, and I, I just yeah. couldn't. I couldn't manage it. So I, yeah, it really. It, it was it, again. It was the only time, kind of. Well, not the only time, but it was certainly the most extreme version of a time watching a movie where I just felt unsafe and wasn't sure if I wanted to go back into that space. I'm sort of like hearing you talk about it now. I'm actually sort of surprised you got through it. Yeah, I mean, you're right because I am notorious for walking out of movies. <laughs> well, well, just. Just use that, but I mean, like, you know, it's yeah. it's late, yeah. it's yeah. high, you know, like, just high-intensity yeah. thing, and especially if some, so one of those goes somewhere you don't want to go, yeah. it's like, if I leave now, I can sleep. Yep. Or maybe. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it is. You must, like, you must have thought about bailing at least three times. For sure, and I cannot remember what it was that made me feel like I should stay. Although, I don't, again, I don't think Martyrs is a bad film. No, I just really disliked it. But yeah, those are yeah. two different things. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's why it's not that question. Yeah. Um, well, you know, props to you for, yeah. for doing it. Like, you've set the bar pretty high now. At yeah. Least. I mean, that, that may be <laughs> what it right. is. It's like, I'm in it now. Yeah. Um, all right. And finally, last but not least for now, until we get you to, to answer the actual fifth round of questions, what is your favorite good scene in a bad movie? Uh, so I was thinking about this, particularly leading up to this week, before I'd seen Rise of Skywalker, but not, not really knowing where it was going to go. But for me, it always comes back to the scene in Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, uh, <laughs> right after Indy has been fired, uh, and he's talking to, I think it's Jim Broadbent? Yeah. Jim Broadbent? Yeah. Uh, who's playing the new Marcus Brody character, because Marcus Brody's dead. And they're having this actually quite moving conversation about how they've arrived at a point in their lives where they don't recognize the country that they're living in anymore. They're old enough that the things that they thought were going to be around forever, like their friends and their fathers, they're all gone. And Indy says, we've reached this point where, or actually I think it's Broadbent says, we've reached the point where life uh, stopped giving us things and started taking things away. And I'm like, not only is that the best scene in a very bad movie, that is a scene that suggests that at least in some point in the development process, they had an idea to make that movie about Indy coming to that moment in his life where he's just not sure there's more adventures to have mm. and then have the rest of the movie be the antidote. To yeah. that and then they completely fail yeah. to deliver on that idea but between that and the mushroom cloud shot i'm like the first act of that movie sets up an idea for this character that i actually thought would have been very compelling actually very last jedi you know <laughs> of like visiting this hero 20 30 years later and seeing him kind of become disillusioned yeah. and then have to find his his interest again i mean that was i i, I still cling to the opinion that that is a good movie not a great movie and what its biggest problem is that it's going against other great movies of those same characters mm -hmm. um you know if it was just called kingdom of the crystal skull we'd probably be like yeah it's all right um, oh yeah if it know, was an indiana jones knockoff and not an indiana yeah. jones movie it was yeah, like yeah, mummy part three we'd be like oh this is fine yeah, that's fine yeah, yeah exactly yeah um and what i did always enjoy about it the most is that it never wants to back away from the fact that uh, Indy has aged, mm -hmm. right? Like this is, 
right around the time too that they you know the Bond movies were starting to say that Bond had lost a step. Yeah, and I'm like, let's not be afraid to admit that these you know people who are, I mean, in his case, what is he, what was he 60 when he played that one? Yeah, in I 2008. Think so you know, yeah, let's not that. be afraid yeah. to say this is an old man doing this these shenanigans. Yeah. that is really a young man's game. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that's really nicely encapsulated in that agree. speech. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's a, that's a very good one actually. Yep. I think we can watch Kingdom of the Crystal Skull tonight. Kind of Please don't. Oh. <laughs> That <laughs> kind of seems like it's right on point. Um, well, there we go. That's more about Brown. I promise it won't take me five years to get you back. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure something yeah, out Lord to be between now and then. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, something good will come out, or something really bad that we'll have to talk mm-hmm, about. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And on that note, um, we usually keep uh, the conversation spoiler free, but given that everybody and their brother and sister are going to go see this movie. And a lot of it has already been discussed by the time this goes up on Monday morning. Uh, we are going to talk the holy shit out of Rise of Skywalker. So consider yourself warned. Um, that we're just going to – nothing is off limits. If you haven't seen the movie yet, go see it. Come back and we'll, we'll be here waiting for you when you do. But the new slang, the Rise of Skywalker, is right after this. The Rise of Skywalker is directed by J.J. Abrams. It's written by Abrams, along with Chris Terrio, Derek Connolly, and Colin Trevorrow. It stars Carrie Fisher, Adam Driver, Daisy Ridley, John Boyega, Oscar Isaac, Naomi Aki, Donald Gleason, Richard E. Grant, Lupita Nyong'o, Carrie Russell, Ian McDermott, Mark Hamill, and Billy D. Williams. The Resistance has been decimated, and the First Order are looking to finish off the job once and for all. This brings us to Ray working to complete her Jedi training under the tutelage of General Leia, while Poe, Finn, and Chewbacca run a mission to retrieve spy intel, unveiling what Kylo Ren is up to. What Kylo Ren is up to is listening to messages from long-presumed dead Emperor Palpatine, who promises him immense powers of strength if Kylo can find and destroy Rey once and for all. So begins one final struggle between light and dark out there in the universe and within ourselves. If you've listened to the matinee cast even once in 10 years, you'll know these conversations are seldom restricted to what's happening inside the edges of the screen. What has made this show work and what can what keeps me coming back to record again and again is that these conversations are as much about us as they are about what we are seeing. So that's where I want to start. Mr. Brown. All right. Star Wars has been a massive part of your life. Yes. Uh, both for better and for worse. For literally the entire time you've been alive. Mm-hmm. Now, no matter what remains to come on the big screen or the small, this chapter of your life is ending. Is it though? <laughs> Whatever comes next mm-hmm. will not be tethered the way that these have all been tethered. Now, that remains to be seen. And I think there are some decisions here that kind of underline what you're alluding to but pop quiz hotshot how has this journey been for you the last five years and how are you feeling at about it at something of an end how has this whole thing been for me it has been such a ride because forget jedi like when jedi happened i really you know i i believed the prequels would come someday so maybe i didn't think that was the end when revenge of the sith came i was completely convinced 
but that was the end. And that was quite nice for me because I had these two parallel experiences of like when I was a kid, I had my Star Wars trilogy. And then when I was just out of film school, so just like newly an adult, I had my Star Wars trilogy again. And I thought that it was a nice book ending type thing. And I was ready to kind of just put that on the shelf and be done with it. So notoriously, when Disney announced that they were going to do this and they were going to do episode seven and they were going to bring back Han Solo. And this was, you know, bear in mind after Crystal Skull, which we've just discussed. Yeah. Um, I was pretty, it wasn't that I was inherently anti. I was just like, I don't think this is going to be for me. Like they're welcome to do whatever they want. It's weird that like the first thing I remember thinking is like, it's weird that there's going to be Star Wars movies that I probably won't see either because they'll make one a year for the rest of time and I will eventually die and they won't, you know, do that or, the, or they will broaden it out so widely like the Marvel Cinematic Universe has that eventually there'll be one that I'm just not interested in seeing, right. which hasn't happened with the Marvel movies, but like there are Marvel TV shows that I've never even watched a frame of, which sure. even, even five years ago I would have thought was insanity. Yeah. Blasphemy. Yeah. Um, so it is weird that I had this very generous distance from this project as it started. I wrote this article for Screen Anarchy, actually, that Sasha James still makes fun of me for, where it said, where the headline was, I believe, I just don't care that much about Star Wars me anymore. Me too, and the only reason why you yeah. don't realize that is because you don't follow me on Twitter anymore. Yeah. But I, that, that thing has been evergreen. <laughs> and I do made it up because I actually, yeah. at this point, I am officially letting it go. Yeah. I will never bring that up Fantastic. ever again. The joke has officially died. Yeah, and I mean, the, it has been very good to me. The way I was trying to, what I was trying to express with it was just that I kind of couldn't at that time envision engineering as much investment in Star Wars again as I had during the original trilogy and during the prequel trilogy. So I was just like, these will be a lighter lift for me. It's not really going to be my Star Wars. And then The Force Awakens came out and just kicked my crap all over the lawn. Like I was just, oh, I do care. You know, I, I am deeply invested. I am very interested in what they can do with this project, even though it, it's a very weird project, given that there is no overarching storyline and there is no overarching storyteller. Well, you didn't know that at the time. Well, I mean, I think Arndt was already off the project mm -hmm. at the time. So I was like, I, you already knew that it was going to be a little bit more like, we're going to give it to this director. And that was back when it was, Ab Abrams had done this one. Ryan Johnson was about to do set, uh, eight. And then Trevor was going to do nine. So it was going to be like each one of these men, white men, is going to have their spin on a Star Wars. And, and you know, how much of that is part of a master plan seemed like very little. Right. Um, so anyway, Force Awakens comes out and I'm like, oh, man, I care. I really care. Because basically Ray was the character I've been waiting to see since I was a kid. Like that moment when she pulls the saber at the end of The Force Awakens, like that that moment has been what I've been wanting to see in Star Wars since I was seven years old. So it finally it's here, and now suddenly I'm terrified because suddenly I care. And I had no concerns with The Last Jedi coming out that it was going to be a bad movie. I knew it was going to be a good movie because Ryan Johnson's a great director, but I was terrified that something horrible was going to happen to Rey, like she's going to get her arm chopped off or she's going to turn to the dark side or something awful. And instead, I got what is, in my humble opinion, uh, the best Star Wars movie since the original trilogy and probably the first Star Wars movie that has actually tried to be more than just a Star Wars movie, mm -hmm. to actually push the boundary sure. of what a Star Wars yeah. movie can do. So then this thing shows up and I'm very skeptical that the uh, 
this this thing that's in all of the reviews, it's in all of the, the coverage uh, from the industry about how the last film was divisive. I'm very skeptical that that is being reported accurately. I have no doubt that there is a cadre of people who didn't like that movie. And in that cadre, there's an even smaller cadre of people who are incredibly angry about it and are convinced, again, that Ryan Johnson ruined Star Wars. I heard two guys in Tim Hortons saying those exact words two days ago. Right. But I just think they are a much smaller portion. They're not a voting majority. No. And it's kind of nuts that Disney's reaction to Trevorrow leaving the project for reasons we still don't particularly know was, oh boy, we better get Abrams back in here and let him sort of dry erase the Last Jedi's plot points and kind of just put us back onto whatever we thought was coming after the so, first But Wiggins. now, where does this leave you? Like, obviously, so this is a yeah. big, big piece. Yep. You're still going to, you know, there, there's there's a show that still needs to be finished. There's another show that we know is coming. Yep. Uh, you know, there, I'm sure there will be other films to, to come. Mm-hmm. But this one family and this one legacy, yeah. that, that's it. Yep. Like you're, you're, we're, we're done with these yeah. with, with, uh, on the big screen. So here's the weird thing about me. And I recognize this is a completely... Not completely unique, but very minority view. When The Last Jedi was done, I said, I am fine if that is the last Star Wars movie I ever see. Hmm. That movie has basically answered all the questions I had about this story, this family, this group of characters. It has basically done everything I needed this story to do. I'm not saying I never want to see another Star Wars movie because that would be crazy. I did that two years ago and look out at it. (laughs) Right? Um, But I was was like... I didn't hear you. I was composing a tweet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I... I was like, that's good enough for me and whatever happens after this, you know, whatever. But it is kind of hard to ignore the mood in the room right now, which is this movie's been coming out. Everyone and their mother, including some members of the cast, have been going out of their way to suggest that, you know, they didn't like The Last Jedi either and that Abrams has finally put the ship on course. It's a weird thing to witness. And my relationship with these films is... Uh, actually quite different than yours. I did not see, I did not see any of the first three in theaters on their original run. Okay. Uh, I saw the, I saw New Hope when it got re-released in 97. That was the first time I had ever seen one on a big screen. And then I saw the other two on the big screen for the first time just before Force Awakens, actually. Wow. Yeah. Now, that said, (laughs) the first two I have committed to memory because they were two of the first movies in my house we ever owned. They were duped copies on the same tape. (laughs) So usually it was just put it in and just let it go, right? Like, don't even get off the couch, nothing. Great way to Uh, live. It it wasn't bad. We never did get number three. Mm -hmm. So that one is foggier in my brain, especially in the late going, but it sits in there. Yeah. Um, And then, of course, you know, as I got older and I was able to acquire my own media, I grew to know those ones more and more mm-hmm. and as they got referenced more and more it's it's weird because it's in my dna um but i would never really raise my hand and call myself a star wars nerd mm-hmm. like if we were at a trivia night i would get schooled mm-hmm. i can give you the major quotes i can give you a lot of the minor quotes probably some of the minor minor quotes mm-hmm. but i can't differentiate a gungan and a naboo they're things, right? Well, Naboo is the planet of the Hey, okay, from. I was close. All right. Uh, so, yeah, they're in the same ballpark. <laughs> um, yeah. So, it's been... Now, you know, we, we got three prequels, and I mm-hmm. went and saw those and enjoyed those for what they were. And, mm-hmm. um, like many things, enjoyed them much more on first watch than I did as I went back and was like, 
the hell? Yeah. Um, you know, and also just that was around the time that my love of film really started taking off mm-hmm. too. So I started to see like those kinds of movies. I watched all kinds when I was like, you know, a teenager. But around that time was when I started watching more independent films, so smaller films, and started seeing, you know, great catastrophe and great emotion, great anger, great pain, great love in, in the smallest of things. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the love and forgiveness at the end of something like Big Night. Mm-hmm. You know, those kinds of things. So it was around the time that my love of film was evolving mm-hmm. that these things arrived. And I had fun with them and it was great. But it wasn't me. Right. You know? Um, I do recall when you and Mr. Price were actually talking about the new films, you were asking like who out there sees those movies as theirs. Mm -hmm. And I do remember talking to a friend of mine who has a son. He's now 14. Those are his movies. Yeah. Because he grew up on those. Mm -hmm. Like those in in the Clone Wars. Mm -hmm. He loves the original trilogy as everybody does. But those ones were more inherently his because they arrived for him the age that we were when the when the first ones came out, right. right? So that's not that's not me. These ones arrive. This this third trilogy and and presumably final trilogy, although we'll see. Yeah. Um, and I'm back to being deeply invested mm-hmm. because for the most part, I found that they do bigger things. They're not. The, you know, we get to the end of a lot of them and they turn into save the cat movies. Mm-hmm. But in the run up to saving the cat. They're about a lot more. And mm-hmm. Johnson especially, to a lesser degree, Abrams and whatever the heck was coming out of this script, are trying to write about bigger things. They're yeah. giving it a shot sometimes yeah. of doing the best, but they're, 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 they're getting there, you know? Um, they're having fun. Mm-hmm. If, if there is one, having watching them all again, reading it, like leading up to this week, the one thing I really noticed was that middle trilogy, that prequel trilogy, is no bloody fun. Yeah, that's a definite problem with that. Although there are, th- I was thinking about this today, there are definitely things in it where I was like, I think, I think those are f- more fun than some of the things that happen in oh, yeah, like, this like movie. The, the, well, I mean, the adventures are, are great. Like the pod yeah. sequence is great. And, yeah. and the, the whole, whatever, they're, they're, that Coliseum in episode yeah, two, yeah. that's really cool. And the entire just carnage of three yeah. is, you know, exciting to watch. Mm-hmm. But there's no, there's no, there's, there's no smartassery. That's true, and they're not swashbucklers no. like the originals were, or like these new ones. Are. Yeah, it needed yeah. it needed a solo or a Poe Dameron in the yeah. worst way. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been this weird trip for me along the way. Um, it'll be interesting to see for me, like how long I stick with this now mm-hmm. that it's a different corporate property because it always was yep. uh, a different corporate property. They seem to be wanting to use it for content. Mm-hmm. So it will be interesting for me to see when does content start to eclipse actual creativity um and i do believe that there are tons of good stories still to be told here Mm -hmm. that don't involve the skywalkers at all especially on a longer canvas like television um but we'll see you know because at the end of the day they were going to want to make money out of it yeah so they're not going to necessarily going to want to make a two-hour movie about you know the spice runner yeah probably not you know um but enough gilding the lily Mm -hmm. let us let us get to it Mr. Brown. Yeah. Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. What did you think? Oh, it's quite poor. (laughs) (laughs) Just in case it wasn't clear up to them. Yeah. I mean, I don't. You know what? So I uh, just to kind of cap off what I was saying, like I, I, I came to this week very anxious and very 
you know, just not feeling great about all this, like right. because of the, the, the stance against The Last Jedi and because, you know, I did not have confidence that this was going to be a good movie like I did with The Last Jedi because, you know, Abrams, I think we can now say definitively, he's real good at that first one. Right. He cannot do the second one. He simply can't do it. He doesn't have it in him. Mm -hmm. So I was very nervous that not only was it going to be kind of a violation from a story perspective, but that it would also just be a bad film. Mm -hmm. And what I'm glad is that, yeah, I mean, it's not a great story and it's not a great film. I'm glad that when I watched it, I also realized I don't really care. Like, I'm fine. It doesn't really matter to me that this movie is a kind of a weak final chapter to something that I thought was much more interesting mm. in its other installments. I wasn't expecting that. I didn't, I, I think I finally got my my wish from that essay five years ago, which is that I just don't care all that much <laughs> about this Star Wars anymore. Um, yeah. I, I mean, the funny thing for me was we came away from this movie and Lindsay turned to me, she's like, so? I'm like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I, I was like, I was entertained. Yeah. Uh, but I, I just don't know the, the, my, my, the thing that's been running through my head almost since the moment it cut to black and especially in that final act is, did you watch Parks and Rec? Yeah. Do you remember the episode where Patton Oswalt plays a town person mm -hmm. who uses his time at town council to, to filibuster and he to talks about Star Wars, his yeah. idea for the plot of the new Star Wars movie. Yeah. That's this movie. Yeah. He, they just, they're like every concept we have ever yeah. had, we are going to throw it in here now. Yeah. You know, we're, we've got creatures, we've got droids, we've yeah. got bigger starships. We've got another dark force. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, Oh, and, and make it long and make it big. And it's like, holy yeah. shit. And I, you try never to approach these things from the perspective of what you know about how they were made. But the reality of this is we know he didn't get a lot of lead time on this. He basically had two years end to end to not only get the movie in theaters, but to conceive the movie. Yeah. To come up with how to do it. And I don't know if this is true for you when you write, but it's certainly true for me. When I write a first draft... I throw every damn thing I can think of into it, like everything. Yeah. And then as you revise, that's where you find that there you can coalesce two characters down into one. You can take a couple of plot points out. You know, you can bring it down to a, a shape that is a little bit more manageable. And they clearly never did a second draft on this. No. Like this is a first draft. One of these days, the, or the oral history of this whole series will come out. Oh, I hope so. And especially on this film. <laughs> yeah. Because I have to wonder, Two things. Two things more than anything else, I think, really hamstrung trying to do this movie. Number first and foremost is the death of Carrie Fisher. Sure. You know, no matter like That's the biggest. They, for sure. they certainly what they did in the last movie, they seem to be building her up, and especially her small role in the first movie. Mm -hmm. It was like, you know, we have you here. We and you can sort of see it as well in what they do with Luke. Mm -hmm. You know, the fact that you've got this person in the cast and he shows up for one scene, doesn't say a line. It's like, we know what we're gonna do with you, yeah. we need you to come by and do a do a drop in yes. right same thing with fisher she has a bigger part in the first movie mm -hmm. still not very big second movie it's bigger so third movie it's like well we're leading to this yeah the other two of your original trio are dead mm -hmm. so clearly they're going to hang it all yeah over. i mean i think it's it's clearly established that this one was going to be the leia movie right this trilogy so losing her you were never going to recast it i'm surprised they did as well as they did cgi her in 
Like, you know, you, you can tell if you know, she's gone, you can certainly tell, mm -hmm. but it's, it's about as good as you're going to get with that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, that really had to put them two goals down early. Absolutely. You know, first yeah. and foremost. So that, that, that's, that's part of it. The other part of it is I would love to know what the holy shit Trevor O was doing. Mm -hmm. with the movie that he wrote that they said no that's no good yeah i'm always curious about that you know yeah, uh, yeah even the, though i don't like trevor very much as a filmmaker no, anymore I, but i didn't think he like, should have been hired in the first place yeah but you got him yeah right and what did he pitch that what, what they was, freaked out about and what like i mean what was worse than this yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah. No, yeah what did what did a committee this yeah. is not a small little five million dollar film at a24 yeah what did a committee of disney executives yeah look at this script and say well that's the better version yeah let's go with that but i mean i'm not I'm, i don't think they had enough time to do that i think like literally abrams probably they gave him the job before he had to pitch the story yeah I, I yeah I mean, the the best way i can describe this right now is he was at he was at the teller and he said i gotta crash it i'm just gonna aim for water yeah you know, yeah. Um, no, this movie is not good. Um, it's fun in, in in a lot of times. I enjoyed watching it. You know, yeah. yeah. As far as like, you know, if somebody wants to like go see things blow up, yeah, and and just wants to turn their brain off and doesn't want to watch the normal Oscar fair that's around this time of year, sure, you sure. Know, I, I I would not say if you are not a Star Wars fan, this movie has nothing for you. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. Um, and part of it, a big part of it, I think is, if, again, one of those things that I'm completely confounded by, the entire decision to steer this story back to Palpatine. Yeah. So, as we said in the intro, Palpatine is around yep. again. That was in the selling of this movie, too. Mm -hmm. That's not a spoiler. It's not a twist. It's in the opening. He's on the poster. He's on the poster. It's in the opening 20 minutes. Yeah. Like, they, actually, I, I, I will say this. Like, a lot of what they sold in this movie is is very early on. Yeah. Um. And, and it's like, no, no, it, he, you're hearing his voice and it's because it's him. He's yep. alive somehow. Yep. We don't really know why. Um, or, or, or care. Yeah. No, exactly. <laughs> and I mean, I get it. If you're going to, there is certainly. Well, no, I don't of, get it. That's the thing. Well, I mean, why, no, why in the world are well, we going back there? But for, from a story logic perspective, I can understand that if you're given, I'm going to do the ninth and final Star Wars movie. I can see why it's got to have Palpatine's influence if not self in it in a direct way because he is literally the prime mover of the first six sure right and then you know if you skip over the two snoke entries like and and now they've retconned that to say that he was behind snoke as well this is very um specter right yeah. like it turns out that christoph waltz was behind everything right. every bad guy you've ever seen it was always him you know so but like i get it like if you're gonna close the loop on the entire story it either has to lean heavily into i guess the nature of the skywalkers because they're the other common thread through the nine films or it's gotta circle back and land on this guy the problem is that by circling back and landing on this guy like what they've come up with for what this guy is is freaking demented yeah like he is the embodiment of all of the Sith throughout the history of the galaxy, and now Rey is the embodiment of all of the Jedi. So what we're going to basically see is the end of the conflict between the Jedi and the Sith, which for people like us, theoretically ended in Return of the Jedi, but whatever, we're back. So we're going we're gonna to do this like huge mental battle between millennia of generations of Jedi and Sith in 
the courtroom from Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. <laughs> like, it, it's bananas. Yeah. Bringing it back to Palpatine because it is, mm-hmm. so to speak, the end, and he is the prime evil. I mean, that, that was, that was going to be the hardest thing about this movie anyway, was the fact that the, the big bad prime evil had been taken out of the equation. So now you were down to either Kylo Ren, who seems to change how evil he is given the mo- from moment to moment, yeah. or Hux, who just never seemed up to the job. Um, you know, you, you needed a big bad of some sort, so why not just go back to the bench? Yeah, absolutely. But I also am like, not to keep going back to the thing of like, well, what Last Jedi said. But like at the end of Last Jedi, you have Supreme Leader Kylo. Go with that. Yeah. You know, that's a pretty big situation there where he's taken over basically the Empire. Yeah. Ray has the line at the beginning of this one. She's like, so you're following someone else now. You know, it's like, yeah, that's kind of dumb. Like, wouldn't it have been kind of neat to see what this guy does yeah. with megalomaniacal power and, and all of the dark side of the force on his side? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, just to twist the knife that much more, we establish that Ray is a Palpatine. This is so silly yeah. that I actually snicker every time they reference it, and I've seen it three times. Uh, so first of all, apparently Palpatine got busy. Yeah, that's wild. That, that's, and gross. That's just seven kinds of weird. Yeah. Because I don't think that's ever been brought up. Maybe ever. there was like a Naboo sperm bank that sure. we don't know about. Like, yeah, yeah, I mean, he's magic, so maybe he yeah. he grew some kids. And, yeah. You know, they figured out, oh, shit, dad's weird. Yeah. And they, and they bolted. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, so Ray is Palpatine's granddaughter. We had an inkling of this coming in because there was talk – uh, when the movie was being sold, that it was going to revisit Ray's lineage. And yeah. if you want to encapsulate one of the things I have the biggest problem with about this movie is that Ray has to have a lineage. And I'm like, no, no, no. Yeah. That was what made the last movie work so very well. Was- and, and I mean, to build on that, I'd argue also what makes The Force Awakens work so well. Yes. Like everyone... I mean, everyone on the other side has treated it like The Force Awakens kicked open in a question of who is this super powerful girl who clearly got her powers from some parent? We better figure it out. Right. I don't think it does that at all. It just plucks a character from complete obscurity. She's literally on a junk planet yeah. and makes her a Jedi because anyone can be a Jedi. And then The Last Jedi, the film, underlines that with a red pen and says, yeah, anyone can have this power, and that's important. That's incredibly meaningful. After six films where blood ruled everything, we finally have a film where blood is not the defining characteristic. It's funny. This film mentions that, Mm -hmm. right? There's this question of does she follow her Palpatine Palpatine evil blood? Yeah. And she ultimately obviously chooses not to. But, like, the idea of anyone can have the power. You just have to have the courage to grab the lightsaber and do it. That's an incredibly important message that the last two films, not just Last Jedi, clearly made. And this film was like, oh, no, 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 no. It's always blood. Like, it's... It's. I don't want to. I don't want to sit here on a podcast at Brian and call J.J. Abrams a Nazi. <laughs> but this blood obsession, this chosen one obsession, this bloodline obsession, it's got some pretty skeevy real world implications that I am not freaking comfortable with. No, I. I always. I always think about the fact that this story is told on. Perhaps the biggest canvas we have seen on film. 
You know, sure. the Marvel movies are trying to give it a run now that they're really opening it up yeah. in space. They'll eventually give it a run. But for nine chapters, this is the biggest canvas you can think of. Because they're always coming up with new planets and yeah. new systems and new everything. And you get there at the speed of light. Yep. So you know it's really bloody far. Mm -hmm. How many millions upon millions upon millions to the million, million, million power people and creatures. Yeah. Not even people. Yeah. But robots and droids and just spacey little entities Everything. are out there. Yeah. And you have kept coming back to the same two or three families. Come the hell on. Yeah. You know? And to what purpose? To what thematic purpose? If yeah. you want to come back to it and she's a Palpatine, why? Yeah. Here's what my ultimate, here's both why I can dismiss this movie. Not like the Last Jedi haters who were like, it's not canon. It's obviously canon. But here's why I don't really care. This movie is purposeless. Mm. It tells me nothing about the overall narrative that I needed to know. No. It doesn't add anything to my understanding of the Skywalkers, my understanding of Rey, nothing. Yeah. Like it's it's just an, an end cap on a longer story that I will honestly, I could never see it again and I'd be fine. Like it you doesn't- just end, end with The Last Jedi. Yeah, end with The Last Jedi. Yeah. But and I'm not saying that out of spite. Like I no. really think narratively it is surprisingly inert given how much work they clearly put into making it extremely not inert and connected to everything. Yeah. Right? Like, it's like almost over-engineered to the point of its own weird irrelevance. Because I'm like, <laughs> what does this thing actually tell? Aside from ending Kylo's story, which it does legitimately do, what does this thing actually do for us that none of the previous movies did? I mean, allegedly... The last order, which that's its own question, but yeah. the last order. Final is, order. The, the final order. I swear you. they were looking at their screenwriting program and they were like, it's our first draft in, in final draft. It's it's the final, final order. order. <laughs> Allegedly, the final order is wiped out. Yeah. But, I mean, going forward, you're, you're going to need some sort of new evil that that, float, that poses a threat to yeah. entire systems. Yeah. So you're going to have to build something new up. I mean, they already built this up out of the Empire, even though the Empire was supposedly crushed you know, 30 years ago. Yeah. They built back up pretty darn quick. Yeah. And I mean, the funny thing is we're, these are all the Disney movies, right? And we're all talking all the time about how this is a corporate product for Disney and they want to make a lot of these movies and they want to make a lot of money. Here's another thing that some nobody apparently noticed about the end of The Last Jedi. The Last Jedi, at the end, you have basically set the table for a million Star Wars stories. The resistance has been all but crushed. The galaxy is under the tyranny of the First Order again. Like, you're basically at the starting principle of the original Star Wars, yeah. right? You yeah. could go in any direction, and instead they decide to do this grand finale where, you know, again, maybe they do or maybe they don't. But as far as the movie's concerned, they end evil forever. Yeah. That's in, not real. I mean, <laughs> in just in the, the strangest, strangest way. I, that, that was the, like, along with everything that we've already talked about. Coming into this movie, what was really interesting and exciting and engaging to me was the fact that Last Jedi left off with the, I'm going to call them rebels, I know they're now resistance, but yeah. what have you, the scrappy underdogs. They were leveled. Yeah. Like they were down to just a few hundred. They had very little. Hell, by um, the end, I think they're down to like 30. It's like the they, contents of yeah, the Falcon. They had very little infrastructure, very little support. They're sending yeah. out signals that nobody is answering. Yeah. And it's like, okay, all you got to do, like, you just got to attack one platoon and you win. Yeah. Like that is, I'm like, that is, you talk about the end of something like Empire being dark. I'm like, no, no, no. This is dark. Yeah. And we're going to kill off your hero too yeah. while we're at it. Coming out of this, I was like, well, how did they 
are you kidding me? Yeah. Where did they forget about the fact of where did the last order get built up? Because that's one question. Mm -hmm. But where did this resistance that's big enough to to you know form a new scrappy yeah. rebel alliance in on a par, if not bigger, with the ones that we grew up with? Yeah. Narratively, I don't understand this. And also, why is that not the story? Now, I mean, it's, you know, you and I both know that when you're reviewing anything, it's always dangerous to go down that they should have done this, they should have done that thing. But let's just, like, call it a, what it is. The story of how the Resistance is not dead and the Resistance built itself back up to what we see in this film, that's a story. Yeah. That's actually a tale that's that a, I'd like that, to see. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's, off, <laughs> it's off screen. Yeah, you know? and it, it happened in the, yeah. Yeah, it happened. Before it, the crawl. It, it happened in, like, 20 minutes yeah. off screen. yeah. That I like, like to to you know we've been ragging on this for twenty five minutes now. Mm. But to, to put a a cherry on something, when those ships show up, yeah, like that was one of those moments where I was like, oh shit, yeah. Like I I felt the, the, the that buzz of oh here's something cool. It's genuinely a surprise. One of the few in the film. It's genuinely a surprise, and it's just it's a glorious sight. It's yeah. everything in this film has just been so. Um, so symmetrical, so really intrinsically designed. And this is just, here are thousands and thousands of ships. Yeah. Of all sorts of sizes and shapes. I'm not going to mention it in the other side, but what it actually brought to my brain was Dunkirk. Mm -hmm. You know, of we're just going to send a whole bunch of boats across the channel and get yeah. them back. Yep. You know, whoever whoever's available, yep. whoever's got a boat, whether it's a tugboat or, or just like a pleasure cruiser, just go over there and get them and get them out. Mm -hmm. You know, it's Dunkirk in space. Yep. Right? There's, yeah. a, there's a movie for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I had the same thought. By yeah. Me. I think there's a yeah. very strong Dunkirk moment there. There is. When it's like, this is not a Navy. It's just people. Yeah. And I mean, that's a movie. Yeah. I don't understand why we got what we got. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, on that note, were there moments where you found yourself happy? Uh, the first time I watched it, I genuinely, like, the for, for the first half of the film, I was like, oh, this is interesting. Like, they're taking me on this story. And, I mean, it's a little bit it's a little bit video gamey because they really are just going to find the magic dagger and then the magic dagger will point the way and all this other stuff. Yeah. But like, I mean, I was, I was, I was enjoying it on, on that level. And I do, you know, <laughs> speaking of weird relationships, <laughs> I've had a horrible relationship with Kylo Ren slash Ben Solo. Okay. Which is that. There's a couch over there. We yeah. Can, you, know, we can, I, <laughs> you know, before the first movie came out, there was that last trailer where you hear him say that I, I will finish what you started. Right. And I've never, I don't think I've ever revealed this to anybody. Ooh. So you're going to get a world experience. All right. I felt an incredible swell of empathy for that man in that moment. The idea of this guy who I kind of, at that point, I think had already intuited was either the son of one of our favorite characters or very closely related to the narrative, um, who had grown up in the shadow of Darth Vader, of the Empire, of the Rebellion, and felt this enormous pressure to live up to that, to conform to that, to continue that work. So I felt this enormous empathy. And then the movie comes out and he's this toxic, abusive shithead, right? right? Like he's everything. I mean, this was 2015, so he's Gamergate on screen. It's one of the most prescient pieces of writing in Star Wars history. And Driver is giving easily top three all-time Star Wars performances, right? Probably even could be number one. Like yeah. he is, that guy commits to this role on a level that is frankly startling to behold. Never more so than in Last Jedi, but even in this film, he is giving 130% at all times yeah. to that character. So I have this suddenly this horrible situation where here's Kylo, I hate him. 
He's a and in Last Jedi, you find out not only is he a toxic misogynist douchebag, he's basically a school shooter, right? Mm-hmm. Like he killed all of the kids kids at the temple. He's this awful, awful character. And yet there's all this Raylo stuff happening, and everyone's like, oh, is she gonna be into him? Or are they into each other? And I'm like, no, he's like, he's literally abusing her on screen. Not only is he torturing her, he's like emotionally abusing her on screen. That's awful. And yet in this movie, when he turned back to the good side, I went for it a hundred percent. I was like, <laughs> yes! Like that scene with him and Han on the, the Death Star wreckage is gorgeous. It like is. it is so like it's it when you think about it after the fact, it seems like a very obvious writing choice. But to have Han Solo repeat "I know" to an unspoken, well, in this case, unspoken "I love you," yes, is tears-inducingly beautiful. Yeah. So stuff like that makes me very happy. And to be perfectly honest, you know, it's he's not in the movie nearly as much as I would have expected, given that I really it is the rise of Skywalker and he's the Skywalker. All the stuff in the third act with him going to to help Ray on. What Exegol? Sure. Yeah, uh, including my favorite, actual favorite moment in the movie, which is him jumping onto the gigantic chain and just going, "Ouch!" <laughs> you know, these weird little human moments that only Adam Driver could pull off. Yeah, I think that whole thing totally lands. Yeah. Um, and I, and then also just to answer your question, like I need to make clear, Ray's my girl. I've been like Ray is my favorite Star Wars character. Yeah, more than anyone when I was a kid, anyone in the prequels. Ray is my favorite. This is a great Ray movie. Leave aside the Palpatine stuff, which I recognize is a large piece of it. <laughs> but Daisy Ridley is terrific. The character is incredibly compelling. It is a whole Star Wars movie that is entirely about her, her choices, her points of view. Like, I don't think we've ever seen that before. It's not split off with any other characters. Like, it is really driven by her. I was happy as a pig in slop yeah. from the moment she's revealed meditating eight feet in the ground, off the ground with the rocks spinning around her and continue all the way to the end with her at the moisture farm. It's a funny thing because this movie, I know we keep going back to the last movie and I do apologize for that because I do usually try to stay on point, especially yeah. on a show like this is going to go long, yep. but you can't not. Yep. Um, this movie compared to the last movie really sidelines most of the heroines that are not Ray. Yes. Right. And I, and I mean, like, especially compared to the last one, where you had Holdo and you had Rose and you had Leia doing all of their things and really steering the story along with what Ray was going through mm-hmm. and steering the story. This time, I mean, you get... Um, well, it's disturbing in two get, ways. Go ahead. You, you get Zori Bliss doing a little bit in, in, in the middle of it, but I mean a very, very little bit. Yeah. Um, Rose Tico is all but a non-factor. And you get something kind of sort of interesting with Janna as an ex-stormtrooper, mm-hmm. but none of them to the extent of Holdo or Rose or Leia in the last movie. And that would concern me a lot more. It already does concern me. That would concern me more if it wasn't for the fact that it's like we need to hang all of these moments on Rey. Mm-hmm. And, and her decision and struggle with what they call choosing, you know, like it's this weird thing about identity of this is who you are. Mm-hmm. Now, what do you do with it? Do you run with what that means? Do you try to shape that into something new? Do you hide it? Do yeah. you embrace it? What do you do? And she takes a long ass time with it, Yeah. right? And, yeah. And in the face of both Palpatine and Kylo, um, not so much anybody else really, because anytime this starts bubbling up, she's very isolated. Daisy Ridley, basically since the moment she has arrived in these films, has always known exactly what to do. Yeah. Right. I like. I would put 
some of that into some of the writing, but this is really, we're seeing the beginnings of something really special, mm -hmm. you know, kind of like what we see with Driver in his other roles. I got a feeling that we we're going to see some special things out of Daisy Ridley as well. Now that she'll yeah, get to play so. some so. other things. Yeah. Um, you know, we already see that, those kinds of things mm -hmm. out of Oscar Isaac. Lord knows we would see those through the years about people like Laura Dern and mm -hmm. Carrie Fisher. I'm going to be interested to see what Daisy Ridley can do now that she's not doing Ray 24-7 mm -hmm. for half a decade. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and I have strong hopes for her. Um, I was along. Okay, first of all, the fact that Han shows up. Yeah. Because they this movie tried to keep a lot of things under wraps. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think they did that great a job with it because a lot of what comes down the pike, you can guess. Yeah. Um, but Han showing up was unexpected. I mean, it wasn't unexpected for me because I 100% thought narratively it makes sense. Yeah. I, I was like, one of two people is going to show up. And my the theory I actually posted on Twitter was the weirder one, which was I think Hayden Christensen is going to be oh, Anakin man. Skywalker Force Ghost in this. Wow. But the one that makes much more <laughs> I mean, sense. Considering the movie that we got, yeah. I, I certainly yeah. wouldn't put and that And he is in it. He's yeah. a voice. Yeah, he's a but, voice. Yeah, yeah. But, but I, that, was, that was kind of the cheeky one. But like the, the obvious one is you get Harrison Ford in for one day. You do a, a really nice cameo, especially because of what we said earlier, which is you don't have Carrie Fisher. There are beats you can't land because you're so constrained in that performance. One of this kid's parents needs to talk to him. Yeah. Right. I, I actually thought there was a possibility it could be Luke, but that relationship is obviously so toxic. Like no matter what happens, yeah. like Luke is terrified of him. He's terrified of Luke. That could never work. No. So you get this beautiful scene with Ford. And you know, Ford, like we give that guy a lot of shit because he really has been phoning it in for about 25 years. But for whatever reason, whenever he's playing Han Solo or Indiana Jones, he is not phoning it in. He always understands what movie he's in, even if it's garbage. Yeah. You know, he knows what kind of garbage he needs to bring yeah. to it. And in this movie, in, in a just a wonderful parallel of the last time he was face-to-face -face with his son, mm -hmm. on, you know, on all kinds of levels, it's, it's, it's beautiful. You yeah. know, the first time he was just sad and frightened. This time he's calm as custard. It's yeah. just gorgeous. It's bright. The other one was dark. Mm -hmm. it, it very much has, to, to speak to another one of your passions, it very much has that end of Deathly Hallows in King's Cross Station mm -hmm. element to it of two people on another plane yeah. saying, okay. Yeah. You know? Yep. Um, and it's and it's nicely complicated by the fact that Han's not a ghost. He's no. not playing a ghost. He's no. playing kind of an idea in Ben's head. Yeah. Right. Which could really be anything, right? Yeah. But like, if you've ever had that conversation with that someone that you really wish you could say one more thing to, and you can't. Yeah. That's that moment, and yeah. it's it reveals so much about Ben. It's just like that. You see a scene like that, and there's several of them in this movie. But you see a scene like that, you're like, why can't this be the whole movie? Yeah. Like, why couldn't you have hit this level? Not maybe all the way through because that's insane, but like more consistently. Well, that's, I mean, that's the thing for me is if you are going to throw pure narrative power like you have in Last Jedi, if you're going to throw that out the window and go for spectacle, mm -hmm. you better bring the most amount of emotion you ever possibly can. Like I should be wringing my handkerchief out and I do carry one. It should be just drenched mm -hmm. by the time I get to the end of it. And this I, it was not, Yeah, you know, you had all kinds of ways you could have played it. Everything from the fact that you're down one of your major characters that is actually surprisingly underplayed. 
yeah. in this movie. Well, it's that, still they still try. They try, and it's it's moving, but it's not like sniffle. I, I wasn't hearing like sniffles. No, around. because it's it's just I guess they're so hamstrung by what they have and what they don't have. Like it really is like. Maz Kanata just says, well, Leia's going off to die now. And then she does. Yeah. It's also, it doesn't help that it is really not clear in that moment what Leia does to Ben. No. Uh, or to Kylo, I yeah. guess, in that case, right? She distracts him so Ray can kill him. That doesn't really sound like something Leia or would want to do. she channels through to restore him yeah, or something. something, right? Yeah. And it's also, it's interesting, although I still don't quite understand it, that Leia does not dematerialize into the Force until Ben does at the end. Yeah. Right? So her corpse is just... On in Jungle state. Planet, yeah, and then yeah. they both disappear at the same time. Yeah. So I, there's something there from a narrative perspective that I don't even particularly understand. But it yeah. is a nice moment. Like that, you know, that moment for me works. I mean, you know, we're saying that, and yet at the same time, I was I was mistier by the fact that Chewie finally gets his medal. Yeah, I see that for me is just fan service, and I don't it's get it. It's fan service, but at the same time, it's like it's one of those things that I always want. I always wonder. Oh, I know about the. I, was I like, know, what is he, what is but it would make. Me, I would. I. I would even be fine with it as fan service if there was a reason for it. But it's like it's not even like Chewie does anything particularly amazing in the final fight, yeah. right? So it's sort of just like, oh, Leia had this under her bed. Here you go. It's for you, <laughs> you know. But it's fine. Like I mean, at that point, like, yeah, I'm not complaining. It's no. it's it's all fine. I really, it's it's weird because we're talking about how we know there's going to be more property because it's Disney and they can't not. Well, they have it, to. Uh, Why yeah, they bought it. You know, you know, but at the same time, it's like with this movie, they really seem to fire the gun empty. Yes. It's like any idea you ever had, mm-hmm. you know, short of, I'm, the only thing I'm surprised at is that they didn't build a new base. Yeah, me too. Like they're going to build a bigger starship yeah, this yeah. time. But What's weird, and one of the reasons I kind of went to that thing I was saying earlier about it feels like a first draft yeah. is... There's so much waste in this script, right? They invent a lot of new characters that seem to have no reason to be invented other than to replace perfectly good existing characters that you could have just given more meat to, right? Like General Hux is killed for no reason other than to pave the way for uh, an even scarier general to take over. But I'm like, we've, we've been with this guy for two movies now. Yeah. Okay, so, so Hux is a traitor. Yes. Hux is an informant traitor of the First Order. First of all, wow. Yeah. Second of all, what? Yeah. And they had to invent a reason to dispatch with Hux. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that they could think of to dispatch with Hux is, I don't care who wins as long as Kylo loses. Mm-hmm. Okay. I know you two have not been getting along lately, mm-hmm. but to say... I don't give a shit who wins this fight. First of all, yeah, you do. Yeah, Because I watched you yell to a whole planet worth of stormtroopers mm-hmm. about how you were going to be the mightiest dog in the yard. Yeah. As long as Kylo loses. Well, first of all, that's treason. Mm-hmm. And second of all, it does not compute yeah. at all. But it's also, it's one of these instances where it just doesn't need to happen. Right? Replacing Rose with Janna does not need to happen. There's not enough character-wise to compel you to make those changes like just go, like why is it, i mean look do is adorable why is he in the movie instead of r2d2 yeah right I, like what does he do specifically that no other droid could do he's just he's cute i get that i'm not saying he's not cute you know what the cynical answer is right some more toys yeah exactly. yeah, yeah absolutely okay. all right but it's <laughs> just not just sure the same yeah yeah page. but it's not just like toy stuff it's no. like there is a there are a lot of characters that just seem to me like revisions of perfectly good existing assets yeah you know well as it is you have you have this trilogy that has 
taken bits and pieces of the characters of the previous trilogy and you know reshaping them into something different and like right down to the droids you mm -hmm. know if if you like bb8 is a descendant of r2d2 because you don't want to keep on using r2d2 yeah. you want to just you want to move on you want to do something new who reminds you of something yeah. old same thing with the trio it's it's you know you've got two boys and a girl again mm -hmm. uh you know it, you've got some slightly different things around it because this time the boy used to be a stormtrooper, and the girl is, yeah. you know, not a princess. You still have the rogue out there cracking wise. Except and, she's now she's literally a princess. I just realized that when you said that. Well, she's an empress, right? But like, yeah. You know, like, yeah. Anyway, sorry. It's 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 the strange <laughs> thing that you you went two laps out of three. Um, you know, you had a big star base again. Mm -hmm. you, like you went two laps out of three, mirroring what you did the first time. Yeah. Why are you gonna? Bail on that now, mm -hmm. and some of those characters are kind of neat, but they're they'd be more neat in a first or second installment or a show, mm -hmm. not now when you're trying to. Well, tie, that's yeah, tie this that's off. the thing. It's like he George Martin this thing, where it's like when he should be trying to bring all the lines together, he just kept inventing new provinces of Westeros that had to have five families that you needed to go meet, and it's like I don't need that. Like just bring it together at this point. This is the end, dude. We know that Michael Arndt theoretically wrote a premise for this trilogy but we know also that that premise for whatever reason is not what they chose to use as the actual spine yeah. for these movies yeah and i think we're seeing the nasty outcome of that now don't get me wrong lucas claimed after the fact that he had a roadmap for the original trilogy that's completely made up like yeah. he had an idea it yeah. probably had about as much of an idea as martin does but if you read how those movies were made he was genuinely figuring out each installment as he went to make it. And he had some basic ideas, but even the question of like, who is the other at the end of the empire strikes back? Yeah. He didn't know if that was going to be Han or Leia when he made the empire strikes back. So there was never a full master plan, but here there is no master plan. No. Here it was, let's play a relay race. We're going to pass the baton to Ryan Johnson. He's going to pass it to the next guy who turns out to be JJ Abrams again. And, the, the worst thing that Abrams does in this movie is the quantity of energy that he spends backtracking yeah. instead of just taking the baton and running with the, the assets he's been given. Yeah, it's one of those things that thinking about this movie and thinking about some like I said that there's a through line that you, you kept bringing up Star Wars in your answers before. Yeah. And I said that there is a through line to a lot of what you mentioned before. Mm -hmm. uh, this is it, is that it's real easy to make two. Yep. It's really, really hard in Hollywood to get number three and land it. Mm -hmm. And to that end, I show you Spider-Man 3. Yep. I show you Pirates of the Caribbean 3. Mm -hmm. I show you all kind. I show you Matrix Revolutions. Yeah. You know, which even coming off that, like, it wasn't like the number two was a masterpiece or anything like that. But it still did a lot of what that first one yep. did, only bigger and better. Yeah. It's really hard to land that plane, especially if you're a company like Lucasfilm disney mm -hmm. where you don't have one person overseeing it say what you want about what cinema is or isn't in marvel yeah at least there is one dude who is saying how does this fit yeah how does this story in and of itself fit into the bigger picture and yeah. where are we going with this yeah you know sometimes they have nothing to do Absolutely. with the broader spectrum and it's just these people are going to go on an adventure i am Other I'm, I'm contractually obligated though to mention that it, there is one other thing that Marvel has over Star Wars that people don't mention. Which is? Which is they have the existing library of narrative. 
This is now it's not true. a master plan, no. but it's like they can anytime they're trying to make up anything, they can go to eighty years of titles and be like, "We're going to try that." Star Wars, they're in a horrible position, which yeah. is they actually have to make it up every single time. Yeah, and they're trying, or they were trying until now, to do one a year, which yeah. is insane. Yeah, right, like th- one every three years, which was the George Lucas pace. That was ambitious. Yes. So maybe it's time for this to back off a little bit. Which I mean, and that's you know they were they were saying we think that there's fatigue. Yeah. Like yeah, the the, the call is coming from inside the house. Yeah, absolutely. You, know? you guys are obviously they, very tired. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, boss, can we just take a day? Yeah. Can we just take a mental. Health I actually day? don't think there would be as much fatigue if Disney was better at doing what Warner Brothers actually is really good at doing. Sometimes to their detriment, see the DCEU, um, which is giving directors the opportunity to just sort of make their movie. Yeah. And succeed or fail. Like if I think like for whatever reason, they did it with The Last Jedi. They let Ryan Johnson make his movie. But with the other four, <laughs> they have executive produced the shit out of them. Yeah. You know, and I'm sort of like, you know, if Taika Waititi calls Kathleen Kennedy next week and says, I want to make an IG-11 movie. Yeah. And I'm going to write it and I'll star as IG-11. She should just be like, she should get off the phone and not talk to him again for two and a half years. Yeah. Just deliver just let, the final movie. Yeah. And if it sucks, oh, let well, it suck. Yeah. You know, people will like it, hate it, whatever. Yeah. But like you have to start building up people who want to carry this ball for you instead of making it seem like the worst puppy mill in the world, <laughs> which is what Disney Star Wars currently feels yeah, like. Yeah. It's, it's, so, it's so strange because... When I was talking about it today, somebody was like, so wait, you don't like it? Like, you hate it? Like, you think it's bad? I'm like, the critical part of my brain can't turn off. Yeah. You know, this as a story is a catastrophe. <laughs> this is a movie yeah. as just 20 minutes of bright colors and fun things and the occasional cracking wise joke and a lot of lightsabers. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. And it's fine. And it's and it's all right. But I'm like, they don't, they, they exist in the same space that's why this whole conversation is happening towards fans mm-hmm. that, that that they cannot handle because they don't have a brain in their head mm-hmm. to 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 square with i like something that other people don't like yeah. and how dare you not like it because now you don't like me yeah is it's you know it has to make sense it can be pretty and it can be fun and it can be grand and it can give you things like chewy getting his medal mm-hmm. and it can have some funny jokes like you were a stormtrooper? Yeah, I can do this all day. Yeah. You know, you know stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But it still has to work as a story. And, and being a good movie and a good story are two very different yeah. things. This project feels like they sacrificed story for movie. Yeah. You know? And, and you know, it's funny. Today I was – so I, I told you my story about Kylo Ren. <laughs> Today I was reading a t- series of tweets from somebody who is just – heartbroken and apparently represents a, a fair number of people just heartbroken that he dies in this movie, um, which I'm a little bit like, you didn't think he was going to die in this movie? Whatever. <laughs> um, but the point I was trying to say is what's really neat about, I don't know if this has always been true, but certainly we get a very clear visibility of it now in the social media era is that people are taking these huge pop culture properties and they are able to thin slice them very specifically to the things that they identify with. So I'm sure there are a lot of people who very deeply identify with Ben Solo and with Kylo Ren. There are probably a lot of people out there in a year from now who are going to very deeply identify with Babu Frick for whatever reason, right? So everyone's got, it's not just that like he's tra- Star he's a Wars. He's thing, you know? Yeah, he absolutely is. I mean, I get, Babu I get, Frick is terrific. I get, yeah, I get yeah, that, Keychain. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. It's not just that like Star Wars is your personality identifier. It's like 
bits of Star Wars, which, by the way, Star Wars is gargantuan, oh, yeah. are, are your personality identifiers. And until we can figure out a way to push this franchise to a, a little bit more of an equilateral place where every single thing that happens isn't the biggest thing in the world that has to be perfect for everybody, we're not going to get anywhere. Right? Like, I'm a big Marvel fan. You know me. I don't like Ant-Man. No. I don't like the character. I don't like the movie. Like, it's just, it's not my thing. Right. I don't hate it. Yeah. I don't, I'm not angry when Paul Rudd shows up in the Avengers. No. But it's just like, he's not my thing. But there's enough Marvel that I, I get plenty of Thor. I love Thor. Yeah. I get plenty of uh, Captain Marvel. I love Captain Marvel. You know, like, this is all fine for me. Yeah. And Star Wars has to get there. But there, right now, this there's this weird intolerance just between extremely loud people trying to define what star wars is mm -hmm. you know and i'm like you guys need to stop you need to accept well, I mean, that star wars is now it's 42 years there's a nice joke in this film about how the festival on the desert planet only happens every 42 years <laughs> star wars is now 42 years old i didn't catch that yeah yeah i only got that on the third time yeah. um uh but star wars is now 42 years old it's incredibly broad yeah right there are people who grew up on the originals the og people like me there are people like you said who the Phantom Menace and those films are their thing. That's how they understand Star Wars. The original trilogy feels weird to them yeah. because it's too funny or something. You yeah, know, I don't yeah. know. Like it feels, there are, I mean, every time I see a kid in a Clone Wars t-shirt, like they're wearing an Ahsoka Tana t-shirt, I'm like, that's great. Yeah. You there know? will like, be, I mean, the, the silver lining is there are going to be an entire generation of boys and girls who grow up idolizing Rey. Yeah. You know, that, that is the wonderful thing about this, even as messy as this is, because lest we forget that this kind of conversation was had in 1983 about the return of the Jedi. They're Which, like, by the way, is my favorite film of all of time. Of course yes. it is. <laughs> you know, they're like, how could a whole bunch of fuzzy teddy bears take yeah. down the bloody empire? Mm -hmm. like, yeah, yeah, listen, yeah. Watching it this week, I'm looking at it, I'm like, yeah, that makes no sense. But, oh well. You know, and this this is the thing is that if somebody watches this movie through the eyes of a of a child that you know whatever age we were in '83, if they watch this movie through that, they'll be all the things that don't make sense are just going to burn in. Yeah, you know, and for them, I'm happy. You know, sure, and and they're going to grow up loving this, and maybe they'll have their nostalgia version in 42 years, probably or whatever. But it still deserves to have a good script and a good story mm -hmm. in the middle of it. Yeah, and, and I think they need now that Disney Plus exists. I think they're actually in a good spot where they can hopefully do slightly lower key broader star wars so you can have the mandalorian and you can have the casting andor show and you can have the obi-wan show and that lets you kind of paint a few different tones of what star wars can be yeah. and then hopefully they can exercise a little bit of discipline and when they're going to do a movie it's specifically it's something that has to be a movie can't be a show it's interesting enough there's enough value in the idea that it's like, shit, man, let's get out to the movies and watch a Star Wars movie. Because yeah. what they should be afraid of, and probably aren't afraid enough of, is all of this just becoming streamable content. Yeah, They need to try to demonstrate the difference between a Star Wars movie and a Star Wars show. And that's, show. I mean, they can do some things that you just do not have time or energy to do yeah. in a two-hour movie. Yeah. But it can't become so common. Mm -hmm. It can't become Spotify Star Wars. Yeah. You know, that you don't want to go and see it in this kind of environment because then your brand is in trouble. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. Um, we, we could be here a long ass time. Mm -hmm. I, I had good things and bad things. Eh. I don't know what the hell we're up with the Knights of Ren. Yeah, it's weird that, first of all, 
a whole cult grew up around them after The Force Awakens. That people wanted to see more of them. Yeah. And now here they are. They're and, barely in it. Yeah. It, it, it's 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 Sith entourage. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Absolutely. You and know, it's I, this weird thing where, like, again, Kylo Ren killed Snoke and became the supreme leader. And the first thing he wants to do is is go hang out with. His, it's like you know you see some guy go and hang out with his his douchebag high school friends. Yeah. It's like it's his posse. You're, you're better than these guys, buddy. Yeah, and they and they serve no purpose. Yeah, I, I I'm fully under the belief that they didn't entirely know what to do with Lando, except yeah. that they wanted to have him there. Yeah, you know, because he doesn't really have a whole lot to do. With this he doesn't movie. doesn't have more to do in this movie than he did in Return of the Jedi. Yeah, which like which you know that was kind of the whole point is if you're gonna bring back these characters that whole fans have identified with, especially you know like let's be honest, a character of color. Yeah. Do something. Yep, absolutely. And especially how early he shows up. Yeah. And then off he goes. Yeah. What, no, I mean, what, he's what just, is this movie back Exactly. No, what that's what, is this, this is what movie? I'm talking about. Like, there's just so much waste in the movie. Yeah. Like, Lando is... No, you know what? It's not even just Lando. Like, a lot of the characters outside of Rey are not given much to do in terms of a narrative or a story. No. Um, Finn does not have a story. He's in the movie plenty, well, but he doesn't have a story. Now, I mean, you could argue that Finn's evolution as a character has already taken place, right? Yeah. He starts as a stormtrooper. At the end of Last Jedi, he's a resistance hero. Like, he's become the man that he is. But aside from serving as kind of an emotional sounding board for Rey, he doesn't really have much to do no. that only Finn can do in this story. He gets a great action scene at the end riding across the top of a Star Destroyer. That's not bad. No. But like, you know what I mean? Like, and, and Poe, aside from becoming leader of the resistance, he doesn't have much to do either. Well, he gets the hot wire stuff. He gets the hot wire stuff. Apparently he used to be a spice runner, which is apparently a big deal. And I'm like, yeah, so what? Everyone used to be a spice runner. I mean, <laughs> who cares? I was, yeah, I was yeah. a spice runner. Yeah. You're a spice yeah. runner. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's just waste. It's this weird first drafty yeah. kind of feeling of like, they hadn't quite tightened up what, you know, to do with this story. Yeah. And yet, you know, we are talking about this on Friday night. We're going to get, like, this thing's going to go live on Monday morning. We're going to get to Monday morning, and this thing's going to have made a trillion dollars. Yeah. You know? It's going to make less than the other two. Um, I don't know. Oh, no, it but, is. Oh, uh, I don't For know. opening weekend, it will. And, uh, I mean, that's just, I think that's just natural. You maybe. Know? Like, one of the, you know, it's funny. The, the Last Jedi haters are probably pretty proud of themselves that they created such a big stink that all this happened. Yeah. That they basically rewrote Star Wars for them. And I'm wondering how they're going to feel when... It's the worst reviewed Star Wars movie since that I think part, Attack of the Clones. That part I don't think they care, but no, but they it, should. but it's not going to make as much money. And and honestly, I think they've kind of driven Star Wars to a stalemate. Yeah, you know, they'll be it, delighted when Kathy Kennedy loses her job or retires from the role and I, stuff I mean, like it's, that. It's it's weird. I, I was watching a movie and there was an ad before the movie for Disney Plus, and yeah. they you know they they had like some some Marvel stuff and some Pixar stuff and whatever. And towards the end of the ad. There's a there's an utterance of may the force be with you. Yeah. And uh, the guy sitting next to me turned to the guy sitting next to him and said, "I still can't believe that that's a Disney saying now." And mm-hmm. I'm thinking in my head, it was always a big corporate saying, "You dude." Mm-hmm. It was always yeah. the big money making Fox studio owned saying. Yeah. The fact that it's owned by a different corporate entity, how does that really change your understanding? Yeah. I mean, I guess like I don't know. People are like. You know what the weirdest thing for me about the last year of 2019 What's was? It? Was becoming aware of all of these people who go out of their way to defend billionaires. Yeah. Common folks like you or me don't have more than 10 dimes to rub together. I mean, I'm all right, but whatever. I'm not a billionaire. And they're, but they're, they're, they're getting into fights with people online about how great billionaires are. Yeah. And there's a little bit of that with this. You know, like George Lucas, 
made all these Star Wars movies. They were certainly money-making enterprises for him. I don't think he was doing it, I mean, after the first one, I don't think he was doing it for the love of the art. Like, no. I think he was just doing it to run his company and, you know, make product and make money. Yeah. And yet now that it's in the mouse house, it's been co-opted by corporate overlords and it can't possibly be creative again. And it's like, well, you know, Ryan Johnson literally just proved it can be and you fucking hated him for it. So, sorry, I swear. That, that's but, <laughs> you know, like it's such a weird, there's such a weird sensation now at the end of the decade of everybody feeling like they're being played. Mm. Like, oh, I'm being played. It's like, you're not being played. No. Like a, a studio bought a property and they decided to exploit that property. Yeah. Nope, there's no... There's no hidden uh, pee under one of these cups. Yeah. This is very in plain sight. This is how this business works. Yeah. You know, and, and, and people, particularly film fans, seem to have a very limited understanding of how the business of making entertainment actually not just works, but should work. Because it gets back to the whole thing you mentioned of identifying with this big or thin slice. Absolutely. And so it's like if my... If my identifier is these first three movies that were owned by Fox and were all, and were liked by D and D A V club attending nerds, yep. then by the time it made a trillion dollars and sold a whole bunch of whatever media had come along, VHS and Beta mm -hmm. and Laser and whatever, then and now it's this big thing. Well, that can't possibly be. What do you mean this time it's sponsored by Pizza Hut and girls want to come? Yeah. And it's like, this is, it's just, it, it evolves. Yes. Yeah. And it is. And it should evolve. Yeah. It needs to evolve. Yeah. And yet, and, and the weirdest thing is the degree to which these, this old guard feels threatened by something that shouldn't threaten them at all. No. You know, like it just, it, they're not being pushed out. No. More people are being brought in. Yes. There's, you, that's a different people thing. People don't look at you weird if yeah. you walk into the room wearing a Star Wars The Last Jedi t-shirt. Yeah. They don't look at you weird if you have a rebellion tattoo mm -hmm. on your body. They yeah. don't look at you weird. Yeah. You know, that sort of thing would have got your lunch money stolen mm -hmm. and your underpants pulled over your head yep. in 1987. Yeah, man. I was there for the dark times. I remember <laughs> So it's not a bad thing, mm -hmm. you know, just grow with it, make it better if you're Disney yeah. <laughs> yeah. and just, just have fun. Yeah. Uh, we could be here for a long time mm -hmm. talking about this movie, but we do have other things to talk about. Uh, I mean, you know, it is Christmas next week, so it's not like we don't have shit to do. Sure. Um, but we do end these reviews here on the matinee cast with souvenir, something tangible or intangible mm -hmm. from this movie. If you could take away and keep, you would Matthew Brown. What is your souvenir from the rise of Skywalker? I mean, this is absolutely heretical okay. to be saying this All right. because of previously stated views right. and things I always thought I never wanted to see. Gotcha. I really want that golden lightsaber. That is pretty badass. <laughs> it's isn't so it? good. Even though I'm like, I am one of the people that's like, no, lightsabers are three colors and maybe a fourth if you're Samuel Jackson. And that's it. Yeah. And this is going to kick open decades of any lightsaber color you want you can have but whatever man when she sparked that thing up i was like oh, it's a literal ray of light <laughs> um i oh I, you know what i what is the name of the 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 lamp droid uh dio dio yeah i want a dio yeah he's because cute because I, I i do like that he's basically a shelter dog yeah you know he, he has trust issues he yeah. likes humans but not too much yeah and, and he's also, in a lot of ways, a droid that teaches consent. 
Yes. Like you try to touch him, he's like, no, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like that he's, a, you know, he's the perfect size for yep. a condo of mine. Yep. I, you know, I, I, yeah. I do. He's adorable. He yeah. is. He is. I, I'd watch, I'm sure there's going to be a short about yeah. him. I'd watch the heck out of that. Yeah. My yeah. mother, uh, after we went to see Rogue One, said something that stuck with me ever since, which is she said, the droids are always the best part. Yeah. And in a very real sense, she's absolutely right. I mean, yeah. uh, well, doesn't that come up in this movie? Trust a droid? Don't trust a droid? Uh, never underestimate a droid. There it is. Yeah. So, you know, in- inclu- yeah. including the land that teaches you about consent. Yep. We rate here on a scale of one to four stars. I know you don't like rating, but you're going to. Uh, no, it's fine. I do it on Letterboxd. So okay. now, I mean, Letterboxd has changed me since the last time. Oh, ah, yeah. It's a whole new world. Yeah. So one I gave it two stars on Letterboxd, which is, but I, on Letterboxd, I rank out of four. Okay. The fifth is reserved for Mad Max Fury Road and films yes. like it. Yes. So yeah, uh, it's, so I, I gave it two out of four. Um, I feel like it's half as good as The Force Awakens. I'm the same. Yeah. Um, you know, in terms of like, like the, there's some little things that kind of drag it up to about a two and a half, but it is just so messy, so yeah. weird, so strange, so more than it needed to be. I was also on the fence about two and a half versus two, which it's insane that this is how minutely we're dissecting it, but. But ultimately, I was like, I can't give it the benefit of the doubt on some of the decisions it made, so I'm just going to knock it down to the straight yeah. two. Yeah, go know? with that. You yeah. know, and I always say that when you revisit these things, sometimes they they branch it, they ratchet up. Mm-hmm. So maybe in a few years, I'll be this is like a two and a half. Like, yeah. it's, it's okay, but right now I'm just like it's just such a mess. Yeah. I can't. Um, hey, maybe you're one of the people that absolutely adores this movie. Let me know. Maybe you think that we're being too kind on it. Maybe you think that it's a complete dumpster fire. Let me know. Yeah. Yeah. At the matinee.ca Twitter or matinee.ca Facebook.com slash matinee. What do you think of Star Wars? Rise of Skywalker. We are going to take a quick pause here and be back with some more movies on the other side. Come on back. We are back. He's Matthew Brown. I'm Ryan McNeil. It's Matt Nikas, 237. It's Christmas time in Toronto. It's a very dark night, very cold night. We are keeping warm with the sustenance. There's been cookies. There were Santa cookies? I didn't mean to see Santa those. cookies, oh, yeah. Shit. yeah. Santa Clauses. Check the show notes. I'll show you a picture. You know, of I'll have one of those, too. There's, there's other movies in um, big ways and small ways that uh, this movie reminds us of. Um, better movies, I would say. <laughs> across the board. Where did your brain go? We mentioned Earlier on, we mentioned mm-hmm. Dunkirk. Um, where did your brain go watching Rise of Skywalker that somebody could go on uh, for further? Well, I went somewhere slightly malicious. Cool. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm already there. All right. But it's just like, you know, as someone said on Twitter last week, uh, Ryan Johnson has been nothing but gracious about his entire Star Wars experience, even as people have been throwing him under the bus. And, and obviously a lot of internet hate has been just basically hitting him daily for two straight years. Meanwhile, the young man has made arguably one of the five best films of the year. Certainly a, a good shot for an Oscar. He's having a great time with or without Star Wars. I mean, at this point, it's more like, from my vantage point anyway, Star Wars would be lucky to have him back if he still wants to do his trilogy of movies. So my other side would be, go see Knives Out. Like That is as <laughs> meticulous and, and just straight-up fun 
as you want any movie to be, certainly as I wanted a Star Wars movie to be. I, I think my original letterbox review was it should be illegal to have this much fun and it probably is. Yeah. <laughs> and that so yeah, I thought about knives out a lot in this. It's like we, uh... it would if it's it's kinda like, you know, when there's a breakup and and then the the other person goes and finds someone amazing. Yeah. That's how I feel about Ryan Johnson yeah. right now. Like he's having a great Christmas. Yeah. He's got a awesome movie in theaters and you know he's gonna keep doing amazing stuff with or without star wars so yeah go see we, that uh, movie we did talk about that movie on the last episode of this show um brian j rowan uh came and talked about that and if you hadn't seen the movie yet um you know it's been a few weeks so maybe now you might want to go back and listen to episode 236 where we talk about that what we talked about in that which i would repeat and, and lord knows i i feel even more so now is that is a film that shows you its hand very very early yeah and is basically you know telling you it's calling it shot mm -hmm. it's saying i am going to drive baseline i'm going to fake left make you deke right go off window and one yeah and that's what that movie is it it shows the the patriarch is killed inside of 25 minutes yep and we know unequivocally how it was done yeah and yet it still has so much movie left to tell mm -hmm. and you are never bored you are often in suspense you're wondering how is this going to work out how is that going to work out that has a movie that's cast is insane yeah i know and you're right it, it, it could not be more opposite movies yeah you know what's neat about knives out and last jedi in that both cases he is using a very specific genre framework to do just a little bit more than the genre requires in terms of uh real world meaning you know, mm -hmm. some beautiful messages in Knives Out about class and race and, and immigration and all of these things. But they don't need to be there. They're no. just there kind of matter-of-factly within this framework. And it, between that and Last Jedi, I was like, this guy who I've thought is a pretty freaking great filmmaker since film one, yeah. I feel like he's only hitting his prime now. Yeah. You know, he is doing some stuff with these two films, and I mean, I'm sure it will continue, that is incredibly impressive. You know, as a director. took a little break in the middle of it to do a whole lot of work. A bunch on Breaking, Breaking Bad. Bad. Yeah, absolutely. You know, some of the best episodes of Breaking Bad sure. are Ryan Johnson. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, it, he, Wants yeah. to do a Mandalorian next season, apparently. So. Yeah. yeah. Give it to him. Yeah, yeah please. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> It's it's yeah it's it's it, it for 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 very selfish reasons it makes a great other side of, mm -hmm. you know this is the guy who could have been doing it but you fired him yeah yeah you know that would have been great if he had been involved in this somehow but he just you know very quietly he's like I'm just gonna go over here yeah you know every, he like you said thing, like you said done. everybody has been dumping on him and it's all and it's it's the same sort of well I never liked him <laughs> you know, it's the same sort of thing I'm like you weren't saying this nope. Two years ago. When so. he was announced, the internet went crazy. Yeah. They're like, the Breaking Bad guy's going to do Star Wars. This is going to be incredible. Yeah. yeah, and then they're like, no. So there's been a movie on my brain this winter, and now it, and like, I haven't rewatched it, and now I'm going to, without its prequels. Um, and I never thought I'd say this. But if there is one movie that really encapsulates what we have seen before us this winter, when's the last time you watched or thought about The Godfather 3? Yesterday, really? No, I mean I thought about it yesterday. Okay. I didn't watch it yesterday. Okay, but yeah, I was thinking about it yesterday because I normally watch the Godfather trilogy on Boxing Day. Okay, I'm not going to do it this year. Right, but first one's good as a Christmas movie. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, Godfather Three, good, good pick. You know, so Godfather Three, we have a movie that's uh, 16 years after its uh, last chapter. Mm -hmm. It's a movie that nobody asked for. It's a movie that was 
taking a pair of films and turning it into a trilogy mm -hmm. and it really really had trouble sticking the landing it's much like what disney gets to do its director was basically given carte blanche and just go make your movie yep. and i have been thinking about it for a month now because of the irishman mm. because i have been saying in my head because i don't count myself a huge fan of that film yeah it's, it's and, okay and i yeah it's, it's fine you know, mm -hmm. but that's the thing is that it's made by somebody who should be more than fine yeah. by now. And who was much more than fine for the rest of the decade. Mm -hmm. And it was like, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to give you a whole bunch of money, mm -hmm. give you complete control. And while you're at it, go get the band back together. Yeah. You know, that's what Godfather 3 mm -hmm. feels like. And I kind of see it with the rise of Skywalker. Go get Billy D. Yeah, and uh, you know, make sure you get some Mark Hamill in this one, yeah. even though we killed him in the last one. Um, you know, you got you got to do. We got we got to tie off carries. Oh, bring 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 Ford back. We yeah. we didn't put him in the last one, so we really got to do right by Ford. So bring yeah. Ford back. Yeah, you know, go go back to Endor. Show us some Ewoks. Make sure it'll be great. Everybody loves all that. Or stuff. even kind of analogous to the Carrie Fisher thing, like in Skywalker, they don't have her to use, and in Godfather Three, they wrote this whole thing. It was you know going to be the Michael and Tom Hagen story, and then Duval doesn't want to do it. Mm -hmm. so suddenly you got to reconfigure your narrative intent mm -hmm. to not have Tom Hagen in the movie, mm -hmm. which they did it okay. They papered it over pretty well, but like that's a pretty significant change of what that movie needs to be about. Yeah. Right? Um, a similar, both in terms of accompanying The Irishman and accompanying um, The Rise of Skywalker, how did this movie not have last in the title? Well, you know, like that, that's, yeah. that's, that's one of those well, things, maybe because they already used it. Yeah, they did. Um, Shot at their water on the, the last one. Yeah, the final, <laughs> the final sequence of Godfather Three takes forever to get through, and that's mm -hmm. the thing. Like the, the the big battle at the end of Skywalker, mm -hmm. and the big long assassination at the end of Irishman. It's very much like this: of we trust you, just turn it into opera, mm -hmm. literally in yep. the case of the Godfather. Mm -hmm. And it's a it's my God, there's poison cannolis. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> to see this kind of thing and to see what happens when something just becomes so big yeah. that a studio just trusts the person in charge and says, "Go, just go make it. We know it's yeah. going to make money. It's got brand recognition. Yeah. You're fine. Just go make it. Yeah. Godfather 3. Yeah. Which I was actually coming around to as saying it's it's a strange thing. that like it, it's, it's a strange coda. It's two wonderful movements of a symphony and then this coda on the end yep. that, that does interesting things in terms of regret and reflection and you know choosing your legacy and that kind of thing i was actually kind of coming around on it and now that i'm seeing it i'm like no no, no this is a shining beacon yeah. of when you should know when to say when yeah i agree i mean i don't think that you need to have a godfather 3 i think godfather 3 is better than people think it is mm -hmm. and we'll never have a patch on the first two because that's impossible mm -hmm. um but yeah i mean it is an interesting it's interesting to have any movie where Michael Corleone is basically in a hell of his own making for the entire film, yeah. you know? And there's like maybe three minutes where you feel like maybe he's going to get out. And no, he doesn't get out because he doesn't deserve to get out because no. he's stuck in hell. Yeah, like, I mean, there, you know, there's a moment where he's confessing to his sins, including the murder yeah. of his brother. And, and it, the Pope is like, this, it, you deserve to be yeah, in pain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the, the Catholic <laughs> priest listening to his confession yeah. is, it is right that you suffer. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. Whoa, shit. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I was rereading my, my review of the trilogy and I ended it by saying the nicest irony just on a meta level is that because at that time I watched these things every year is that poor Michael is doomed to do it over and over again every 26th of December. <laughs> <laughs>
I love it. Did you have? Um, Do you have another one for another side selection? No, just okay. sticking it with the knives out. I had two more. Yeah. Wow. I didn't even know we were allowed to do multiples. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. We changed it all in five years, uh, man. I got to bring you back more often. All right. So the first one I thought of, literally, was on my television after I watched The Last Jedi. I just I happened to turn it on. It was on one of the channels. On one of those dinosaurs you still pays for cable. Mm-hmm. Um, Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. Okay. Here's a film about choosing hope. Mm-hmm. And that is one of the things that's buried deep in the muck of the rise of Skywalker is you have to have hope. Mm -hmm. You know, we're drastically outnumbered and just this close to losing it all. And if we give up hope, we have officially lost. Lord knows, as we reach the end of a decade that started with themes of capital H hope, Mm -hmm. there seems like so many days where it's like, just forget it, (laughs) you know? Forget it. It's it's all garbage. The garbage looks like it's going to continue. The garbage is clearly wrong and harmful and just going to destroy everything we know, but it's not going to go away. Yeah. It is just so easy to say, screw it all. I'm just going to take care of number one. Mm-hmm. But you have to have hope. And I think that, you know, as much as it's been kind of overplayed in the 25 years since it came out, um, Shawshank Redemption still, at the end of the day, is a story about how hope is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, along with the fact that it is also a film about identity mm-hmm. and who you choose to be. You know, Andy Dufresne in Shawshank Redemption, he is, by, like in, in, in Shawshank, he is a, a guilty man. Mm-hmm. He is a, a, a convicted killer. Right. Yeah, and he's going away for the rest of his life. He has no rhyme or reason to conduct himself any better. And yet he chooses to. Mm-hmm. You know, he chooses of who he's going to be in there, not banker who killed his wife and her lover. Right. You know, same sort of thing in Rise of Skywalker. You can be the daughter of the greatest evil the galaxy mm-hmm. has ever known. Or you can be more. Yeah. You know, you can be the nephew of a Jedi and the son of a Jedi and become... Mm-hmm. You know, possibly the greatest Jedi that we've ever seen. Or you can be complete toxic shit. Yep. You know, it works all these kinds of ways. And Shawshank Redemption, I, I feel like it's got all these things in it. Um, I'm going to include a link in the show notes. There is a really great series of video essays out there by a guy named Ugai Posts as Pop Culture Detective. Oh, I think I've heard of that He's guy. He's right yeah. up your alley. Yeah. Just, I'll, I'll send you the yeah. link later. He talked about Shawshank Redemption and how it affects our concept of uh prison life and the prisoners mm-hmm. right because truly we shouldn't give a shit mm-hmm. about most of these people people go to a prison and it's like well you know you did it and that's it but yet people cling to this story mm-hmm. the same way they do it's a wonderful life yeah and yet it's like it's full of terrible people mm-hmm. so why yeah because many of them namely red and andy have chosen to identify something better mm-hmm. even though that they are clearly not um, it's. I, I think it would make a good pairing. Right. A weird pairing, admittedly, yeah, yeah, yeah. but a good pairing. Yeah. Um, my other one, as I was thinking, uh, the the local group of merrymakers got me working on a list of best films of the decade. Mm-hmm. Um, which, by the way, if you're trying that, it's really bloody hard. <laughs> it's it's been a yeah. fantastic decade. It really film. was. Um, yeah. You know, a kind of a weird year for film mm-hmm. uh, at the end, but a great decade on the whole. And one of the films I came up with um, that I think pairs nicely with 
The Rise of Skywalker, where it comes to a theme of learning the truth, and kind of again on identity, but what you decide to do with that truth, mm -hmm. is a Canadian film from 2011 called Incendie. Ah. Directed by Denny Villeneuve, who Sweet. would go on to do your favorite Blade Runner movie, mm -hmm. yep. is right now off finishing Dune, Dune. Dune. In the same valley where they shot The Rise of Skywalker. Ah, there yeah. we go, there we go. Also, D, um, it, is, uh, uh, it is a tough watch. It is, um, yeah. It, it's not, I mean, it's not as tough as, this is the same director who came up with Polytechnique, yeah. um, which may be the toughest watch I, I've done It's pretty time. hard. I finally saw it for the first time two years ago. Yeah, we were in the same screen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I we walked out of that screening together, and I looked at you, I'm like, we really are shit. Yeah. You know? Um, mm -hmm. Also, D is a story about a woman who dies, uh, leaving her adult children to settle her estate. And before her estate can be settled, before she will let herself be buried, even, um, uh, properly, um, she says, you need to find your brother. Mm -hmm. You have a brother. You need to find him. It shouldn't be too hard if you are as smart as I think you are. So they need to learn the truth about where, what their mother's life was like before she came to Montreal um, as an immigrant. Most of the countries, not most of the countries, the countries outside of Canada, they're completely fictional. Mm -hmm. But you can pick a country and it would apply. Mm -hmm. And you learn about who the mother was, what her life entailed, what the brother was, what the brother became, and how all of this squares and fits. The director of the movie that we were talking about today loves a mystery box. Mm -hmm. Loves, loves, loves a mystery box. A little box. too much. Yeah. <laughs> this might be one of the best mystery boxes I've ever seen. Sure. Because the payoff of this movie is both genius, deeply unsettling, mm -hmm. and perfect. Yeah. You know? Um, it, I, it was on the other day. Again, need paying for cable. Mm -hmm. um, it was on the other day, and I, I, I watched the end of it mm -hmm. for the first time in a long time and even just the way that they spell it out you know they they didn't have to go down the whole road of you're a palpatine mm -hmm. your your parents were palpatines they gave you up to hide you from me makes no sense but okay the payoff of incendie is just as simple is how can one plus one equal one mm -hmm. and the realization of that being so shocking mm -hmm. um it's again like shawshank redemption it's certainly a weird pairing, yeah. but if you're looking for something where it comes to the question of learning the truth of your lineage, mm -hmm. this is an incredible film. Right. Yeah, I like that. I haven't seen it in, well, probably since it came out. But yeah, it, it has it's held a up very, very, very good movie. Mm -hmm. That is episode 237 of the Matinee Cast, uh, the Christmas episode, um, whatever you celebrate this week. Um, just be happy, be with people. Um, if you're If you're having a tough time, um, you know, be well as well as you can. I know it's really hard. Do come on back to this show on Tuesday, December 31st, New Year's Eve for episode 238. We are going to be discussing our favorite films of 2019. Um, there's going to be a lot of great things to discuss. And as like happened last year, I am just going to try to stay out of the fray and hold on for dear life because I have a great table coming uh, to discuss the films of 2019. Matthew Brown can be found writing on screen anarchy. I'm sure you're going to have a lot to write about this movie. Mm, well, I'm not technically reviewing it. No. And I'm not doing a column anymore. At but, some point, yeah, I'll probably have a thing. It took me a full year 
after Last Jedi to finally write about The Last Jedi. It's not a bad thing. Yeah. I like it. Um, if people want to find you on Twitter, where can they go? Tedrick, T-E-D-E-R-I-C-K. And the most of your sh- and most of your shenanigans these days are on Letterboxd, so I'll include yeah. a link for that yep. as well. Same handle. Uh, my site is thematinee.ca. For more audio content, you can find back episodes by going to thematinee.ca slash podcasting. You can also find them on Stitcher Radio, Blueberry, Spotify, whatever Apple is doing these days. Um, everything gives you ways to subscribe for free and get alerts when the episodes drop. Feedback on The Rise of Skywalker or any of the other movies we mentioned, if you watch on Saudi, I'd love to know what you think. Um, <laughs> can be left in the comment section of the site. You can email ryan at thematinee.ca. Twitter, where I'm matinee underscore ca, or facebook.com slash darkmatinee. Any final thoughts, sir? No, I mean, I'm, I'm, it's weird what a relief it was for it to be over, for it to not bother me as much as I guess I expected it to in spite of us just railing about it for two hours. It's sort of like, it, it, there's a nice feeling of pause here. I think it's, it's like, maturity. I think this is yeah. what maturity feels yeah, like. Yeah, it might, it might be. It's like, it's nice to think that, okay, you know, there's going to be more Star Wars movies, but we don't know what they are yet. There's going to be more shows, but they're not on yet. And it's just like, maybe I can think about something other than this for a little while. It's, I mean, the, the, the one thing I will say as a final thought is, it's a year where three large properties, to one extent or another, ended. Yeah. And it's been so interesting watching how they ended, squaring my feelings in each case. Uh, you know, one I adored, one I did not like, one that's somewhere in the middle It's just so messy to understand. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's okay. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I'm not going to sign a petition. Yep. I'm not going to say this does not exist. No, that would be ridiculous. Yeah. And also, I have felt, basically since the Disney acquisition, every new piece of Star Wars that we get is a gift. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, there was supposed to be no more. <laughs> so, yeah. whatever. Enjoy it. Enjoy, any, enjoy it as much as you feel like. Indeed. Well, for Matthew Brown, I'm Ryan McNeil. Have a wonderful holiday. We'll see you at the next week.